This is the Mathematics Education Podcast from MathEdPodcast.com. Welcome to the MathEd Podcast. My name is Sam Otten from the University of Missouri, and today I'm joined by Dr. Susan Peters, who's an assistant professor in the Department of Middle and Secondary Education at the University of Louisville. Uh, Sue, thanks so much for being here. Oh, you're welcome. I'm happy to be here. And did I say Louisville in your preferred pronunciation? That's fine, yes. I've heard so many debates about that, but uh, I'll, try, I'll try to stick with Louisville. I'm not a native Louisvillian, so you're good. Louisvillian, now that's a new word I have to learn. <laughs> Um, So we're going to be talking about Sue's article in the Journal of Mathematics Teacher Education, um, and that's in the current volume, volume 17, and the article's entitled, Developing Understanding of Statistical Variation, Secondary Statistics Teachers, Perceptions and Recollections of Learning Factors. So Sue, this came from your dissertation work, so I want to go back to your graduate school experience, and uh, where did you do your graduate studies? I did my Ph.D. work in curriculum and instruction with an emphasis in mathematics education from Penn State University. I was a fellow with the Mid-Atlantic Center for Mathematics Teaching and Learning, which was a group of institutions, Penn State University, University of Maryland, and University of Delaware, that formed one of those centers to um, help build infrastructure in mathematics education. Uh, So I obtained that degree in 2009. As part of those experiences, I had the opportunity to work with Kathy Hyde and -hmm. also with Rose Beck on different projects associated with the Mid-Atlantic Center. Mm -hmm. And during my time there is also when Penn State took on the editorial team for the Journal for Research in Mathematics Education. And so I actually had an opportunity to work as an assistant editor for JRME as well with Kathy Hyde, Rose Beck, and Glenn Bloom. Mm-hmm. Great. That's some great experiences. Uh, I'm sure I gave you a lot of insights into you know, scholarly writing and getting things published. Now, your personal interests have to do with statistical knowledge and teacher statistical knowledge. I was wondering, you know, is it something from your background, or what is it that personally motivates you for that area of research? It absolutely comes from my background. Um, before I went to Penn State, I actually taught high school mathematics for 16 years. My interest in statistics came about at, well, someone at a department meeting where I I recognized that we had a lot of seniors who weren't taking any mathematics courses, and I suggested at the meeting that we have some type of an option for those students who weren't going to take calculus, and people asked me what that should be, and I said statistics, and they said, well, good, you're going to teach it. (laughs) And in planning to teach for it, that was around the same time that AP Statistics was starting up, I -hmm. realized that I knew very little statistics and needed to learn an awful lot of statistics and had to do it on my own. And at some point after that, uh, when the opportunity for Penn State came up, it seemed like the time where I could maybe do something about that. I swore that other, other teachers shouldn't have to go through what I went through to learn the statistics. And I had become involved with the AP Statistics community, found it to be a unique community, and that really was kind of the beginning of my dissertation work. Mm -hmm. And you're looking at statistics teachers who you've identified them because they are knowledgeable about statistics and they have some statistical content knowledge. And then you're looking at 
their own recollections of their past experiences leading to them being knowledgeable statistics teachers. So I was wondering why you went after this area of research with that population. Why study the knowledgeable teachers in this way? So obviously as part of my doctoral studies, we read a lot of math ed research, and it seemed to me that so much of the work was based on studies of student learning at earlier grade levels, um, students' development of understanding at early grade levels, and that the focus more recently shifted to teacher knowledge more mm -hmm. so than, than student comprehension. And it seemed like that whole process took an extremely long time to come about. Statistics education research is a much newer field than math ed research, and mm -hmm. it just didn't seem to me like we had that kind of time uh, mm -hmm. to come up to speed and really begin to learn about what helps teachers to learn the statistics content. And so I was looking for somewhat of a timely solution to learn about teachers learning in statistics. And so it seemed like one way to do that would be to start with teachers who already had learned the statistics and try to really figure out what experiences help them to gain those understandings. My area is not in teacher knowledge, but I've read some literature from that, and a lot of it is kind of documenting deficiencies in pre-service teachers or deficiencies in teachers' content knowledge. Uh, and it seems like yours is kind of a complementary perspective of, like, let's look at the teachers who have some strong content knowledge and see where that might have come from. And then that can be partnered together in the literature with kind of the documentation of pre-service teachers before they get to that point of having that strong content knowledge. Absolutely. So I saw it as a, a complementary approach, not saying that there's anything wrong with the research that's been done, um, mm -hmm. but looking for a different way to go about looking at how we might help teachers learning. Yeah. So then you have these uh, knowledgeable statistics teachers reflecting and, you know, kind of thinking back through where their content knowledge came from. What was the framework that you used to kind of handle this adult learning study? So the framework is called uh, transformative learning theory. And really the way it came about was also based on my own experiences in learning statistics because it, as I thought about so many of the learning theories I had read about as part of my doctoral studies, I really didn't find that they helped me to explain my own learning with regard to statistics. And I think that was because my own learning of statistics came later in my life. And so I was really looking for something that would give me explanatory power for my own learning which I thought might then somewhat relate to other adults' learning. And so that's how I came across the, the transformative learning theory. Uh, then it suggested to me that I look at adult learning theory. And transformative learning theory is actually credited to a gentleman by the name of James Mesereau. And the theory itself is, is based on constructivism, but it's also based on the premise that adults learn differently from children. Hmm. And by that... Bezero specifies essentially four types of learning, what he calls creating meaning schemes, enhancing meaning schemes, transforming meaning schemes, and transforming meaning perspectives. But the adult part of it comes about with, with the transformation process, because the transformation process really involves critically reflecting on our current knowledge and critically reflecting on the assumptions that underlie our beliefs or knowledge, examining the whys behind what we think we know. And his contention is that, that students don't have the maturity or the experiences to be able to question those underlying assumptions. And so the big learning in transformative learning theory is by transforming a meaning perspective. 
and meaning perspectives are, are, are kind of the, the broad predispositions that you have. And there, there are two ways that you can have a perspective transformation. One is by having a big disorienting dilemma and you know, really perturb your thinking and, mm -hmm. and go about really questioning your thinking about that aspect. For example, you're thinking about statistics. Another way is to have these smaller steps along the way. Um, different transform meaning schemes where, for example, before I can transform my perspective about statistics, I may need to transform the way I think about different concepts within statistics. And so it might be a series of, of smaller dilemmas that lead to rethinking about the content that change my perspective about statistics. And so within the theory, there, there are really kind of three main elements that, that contribute to that type of meaning perspective transformation. Um, critical reflection. Uh, we talk about reflection a lot in math education, but mm -hmm. a lot of times that, that reflection is based on content and processes, the what's and the how's, whereas mm -hmm. critical reflection is really reflecting on the premises, the underlying rationale, the whys behind everything. So in perspective transformation, you may have this dilemma which causes you to reflect critically. You're examining the whys, so then you will need to engage, likely, in rational discourse where you're seeking out alternative perspectives to help you think through those whys to come to some type of resolution. And then the third aspect is just action. Once you have that sort of resolution, how do you go forth then and act on that new knowledge? Mm -hmm. So that's, that's the very quick uh, transformative learning theory. But for me, it was that idea of reflecting on the premises, the critical reflection, the rational discourse that really resonated with me. So we've heard some about your personal background and how that kind of led you to this framework, and now you applied the framework with the participants in your study to look at their recollections of their statistical knowledge generation. So could you just tell us a little bit about who these participants were and then what data did you have to analyze? So the study was a, a phenomenology, exploring the phenomenon of secondary teachers developing robust understandings of statistical variation. And so because I wanted to look at how teachers constructed their robust understandings, I needed to start with a population that would likely have robust understandings. And so the population that I started with was experienced AP statistics teachers, the teachers who would be teaching statistics content at high school level, um, experienced in the sense that they actually were leaders, and so they had been involved with the AP statistics program and had gone through some some type of criteria to become leaders in AP statistics. Leaders in this case being uh, the teachers who helped grade the AP statistics exams, and even some people that had progressed further in the AP statistics program. So I started with 16 different teachers. Um, looked for a variety of different experiences to try and be able to extract characteristics of multiple different experiences. And then I had a content interview with each of the teachers to determine whether or not they seemed to exhibit characteristics of robust understandings. Uh, there were five teachers who provided clear evidence of robust understandings. That's not to say that other teachers didn't have robust understandings, but that I just didn't have the evidence to say beyond a shadow of a doubt. And so then from those five teachers, uh, the tools that I used to help them remember their experiences and then to extract from that the characteristics of the experiences 
were a tool called event history calendars, which is a matrix that's really designed to help people reflect on their experiences and put them in some type of order, but it's, it's really a memory aid. Uh, so it contains columns that have timing cues and rows that contain behaviors to help frame important experiences. So the teachers actually completed those before I ever uh, talked with them about their experiences. They also completed critical incidents reports, which really are intended to, to focus on unique experiences that evoke strong emotion or mark a, a life transition. So the idea was that these may be um, incidents that came about from a disorienting dilemma and might give me insight then into what may have spurred some serious learning after that. And after teachers completed those, I took some time to look through those um, documents and then we had two interviews uh, where they reflected on those experiences, we talked about the experiences that were recorded and really tried to delve into the underlying reasons behind why these experiences seemed to be effective for their learning. And so the analysis then just followed phenomenological studies where I started by looking at transformative learning and the different aspects of transformative learning, tried to come up with each teacher's story as to how they developed their robust understandings and look at the underlying reasons why the hows of their learning and then looked across teachers to try and extract common characteristics. Okay, great. I'm speaking with Sue Peters from the University of Louisville about her article in the Journal of Mathematics Teacher Education, um, Developing Understanding of Statistical Variation. So now I'm curious, Sue, about you know what those stories were. So what were some of the experiences that the teachers had in developing their understanding of variation? So I think one of the, the biggest commonalities that the teachers had is that they experienced a lot of what I came to call triggers, events that prompted self-awareness of, of limitations in their own knowledge. And a lot of those triggers came from um, engaging in actual uh, statistical learning activities themselves, um, engaging in dialogue with other teachers, planning to teach for statistics, and also with teaching uh, statistics. The interesting thing for me was that those experiences, for the most part, were not experiences that, that came from coursework. Um, and, and one of the reasons that they cited was that the coursework seemed to focus on that what and how, the content and process, but mm. they didn't feel like they really got into the underlying premises, the reasons why the things worked the way they did. And that was really what they were more focused on as teachers now. And so many of, of their experiences involved other people, other teachers and statisticians, and within those experiences, what seemed to be really important to them was that they have an aspect of comfort. They wanted the, the freedom to be able to ask questions without feeling dumb. So they needed that, that feeling of safety and comfort to feel free in asking questions and exploring the content. And a lot of what they found, um, each of these teachers mentioned an electronic discussion group set up for AP statistics. Hmm. and. What they found in that electronic discussion group was that there were a lot of prominent statisticians that would weigh in on answering questions. Um, statisticians like Dick Schaefer, Paul Vellman. Those statisticians took each question really seriously and took the time to not just answer the question, but to explain their answer, try to give the rationale, and, and really at a level that the teachers could understand. 
And that was really important to them, that their questions be taken seriously, that they not be made to feel stupid for asking the question in the first place. And, mm -hmm. I mean, just to counter that, um, Everett, who's one of the five teachers that I identified, actually had a situation with the electronic discussion group where he felt like he put himself out there one time. People were asking questions and wanted examples of different things, and no one seemed to be stepping up and offering examples. And he did. He finally weighed in, gave an example, and someone chimed in and pointed out the mistakes in, in what he had posted. And even though that was more the exception than the rule, he felt shot down um, by mm -hmm. that person coming on. And that was the last time he ever posted anything um, to that group. And so that feeling of, of comfort is, is really important to these teachers. Now, he didn't get it so much from that discussion group, but he did get it from going to the AP scoring sessions and different institutes that he went to. And I think part of that also was all of these teachers were involved in the early days of AP statistics. And so there was this feeling of commonality. Everyone was in the same place trying to figure this out. And so they somewhat banded together to be able to do that. But the other thing um, that they pointed out was that statistics is a lot different from mathematics because they didn't feel like they were expected to know the statistics. They wouldn't feel as free talking about the mathematics and questioning and pointing out their a lack of understanding when it came to the mathematics because of the preconception that they should already know the mathematics. And so not being expected to know the statistics made them freer in asking the questions, and then they found this safe group in which they could ask the questions. And all of those experiences then led to really that element of rational discourse where they really were working together, trying to look at the content from different perspectives to really clearly develop an understanding of, of the content. A lot of times they were working with statisticians, but they didn't feel like the, the statisticians were acting as the experts, but really more working with them, saying things like, well, let's figure this out, or, or let's see if this is true, let's explore this a little bit acting like they didn't necessarily know the answer, even though the teachers knew that the statisticians knew the answer. But it was really explorations, explanations that were focused on the whys. And from the teacher's perspective, when I asked them, you know, could something like that happen with a course, they weren't so sure because it was that comfort, it was that lack of pressure because there's no grade. Um, there was something different about that experience that allowed them to ask the questions and, and feel like they were working on this together. Same idea with, with other experiences, leadership institutes that they were at. It was working together with others, sometimes on actually engaging with activities in the content, but really pushing each other's thinking, asking questions about why something worked in the way it did, um, and so on. The other thing that really came out in terms of the rational discourse was writing for publication. Um, each of these teachers had actually written something at some point that was published. Um, it might be an activity, it might be an article, it might be a textbook, but they found that to be a very important activity for their own understanding because they felt like they really needed to think through the content much more carefully because they wouldn't have 
a chance to answer questions later. So they needed to ask all of those questions of why does this work and, and look at the content from multiple perspectives to be able to write it down in a way that it would make sense to others. So for a lot of them it was having these people to be able to talk with in this, this environment of comfort, but it was also focusing on so, some key aspects of the content and really focusing on some of that fundamental content, variability, inference, doing simulations, active engagement, those types of things. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned the teachers taking on this role of actually a writer and writing things for publication. Were there other personal factors of the teachers themselves that played into it that go kind of hand in hand with these kind of environmental or community factors? Yeah, their disposition seemed to be different from some of the teachers who clearly um, exhibited some faulty reasoning with statistics. Um, one of the things that was common to all of them was really an early underlying interest in statistics. In, in one case, it was really about an instructor and the instructor talking about his own work with statistics, analyzing some data from the America's Cup, and it was in a sports context. and. Um, that particular teacher had an interest in sports and the way the instructor talked about the context, the enthusiasm in the instructor's voice, it really seemed interesting. So the teacher didn't necessarily find the content interesting, but figured there must be something to it for this instructor to be so excited about it. Everett, for example, um, had an interest in sports and so baseball statistics was, was a really big deal to him. and so he had an interest in statistics based in trying to understand the sports that was of interest to him. The other thing that, that I think really distinguishes them is that they really were motivated to learn the intricacies of the statistics content. They, they seemed to be triggered easier in, in trying to find resolutions to learning difficulties that they, that they encountered and they looked at those triggers as opportunities for learning they never seemed to avoid an opportunity to learn more content. One thing that, that set them aside is, is when they went to the AP scoring, they seemed to approach the interactions at the scoring as opportunities for learning the content, which was somewhat different because they didn't go to the reading and look at it as opportunities to learn about the scoring. So they almost recognized that if, if there was something that they didn't understand about the scoring, they should learn more about the content to understand that, which in turn could then help them help their students, as opposed to just helping the students to get better scores. So they, mm -hmm. they saw it as a learning opportunity about the content, not just about mm -hmm. the testing. Right. Um, hmm. Another thing, very reflective individuals. Um, in the article I give several examples of, of Blake who just goes through these series of questions of why. It's like he, he answers one question of why and follows up the, the next question with another question of why. His curiosity, um, he talked one time about just looking at Minitab regression output and wanting to know what each of the numbers were and figure out where they came from and, and how they came about and try to put the puzzle pieces together. Dustin, who, when he was first teaching AP Statistics, when it first came about, laying out a bunch of different books and, and looking at the language related to confounding and lurking variables and, and trying to read each description to tease out the differences in the terminology. Isaac talking about meeting with different statisticians and not really knowing what they were talking about, but going back after the meeting and, and 
trying to piece it all together, taking copious notes that he could go back and read about and figure out what they were saying. And in all cases, that reflection was focused not just on knowing how to do something, but really understanding it and knowing the whys that underlie the content. Different things that, that they also talked about were just their readiness to learn. Um, several of the experiences that, that these teachers had were actually the same experiences, but they identified different aspects of the experiences as beneficial for them. Um, so Everett talked about this one institute that he was at where an instructor talked about ANOVA, and from talking about ANOVA, Everett developed an understanding of why we need to block to reduce variability. And so that was the important aspect of that institute for him. Well, Dustin was also at that institute, but that isn't something that he identified. What he identified with was actually engaging with other teachers and conducting an experiment dealing with paper towels. And so for each of them, wherever they were at in their learning, that was when they were ready for the ANOVA talk or the experiment to help advance their learning. Um, same thing with Hudson. He talked about a card simulation that helped him to develop understanding about random variation. And it was a professional night at one of the AP readings. Well, Isaac and Dustin were at the same reading, but they didn't identify that particular activity as being beneficial for them. So it was just interesting to hear how where they were at, sometimes the triggers were different, and how they then learned from that. One commonality that they all had was they all identified that this real need to have this big picture view of statistics. And that for the most part, with the exception of Isaac, AP statistics is, is what helped them to develop that big picture. And the reason it helped them was it was the first time they had ever focused on the area of design. And so this, this idea of design helped them to tie together the other aspects of statistics, the descriptive statistics and the inferential statistics that they always saw as being really discrete components. The design helped them to bring it all together. And for them, it was that synthesis, that umbrella that really helped them to develop the big picture. And now they still go back and try to fill in the little pieces, but they have the big picture. So if you, if you step out from the study a little bit and take a big picture view, what do you see as the major implications of this work for the field? I, I think the things in, in terms of focusing on statistics and teachers learning of statistics, one of the big things for me is the idea of the triggers. Mm -hmm. And what are the triggers that work for different teachers at different points in their professional lives? I think it's important to know whether similar triggers that work for other teachers. So we have mm -hmm. these five teachers. These are the triggers that worked for them. Do we know whether these triggers will apply to a broader group of teachers, perhaps teachers that aren't as actively involved in AP statistics? Um, what are the triggers that really can help teachers to then pursue additional knowledge? Because mm -hmm the AP reading that triggered so many of their dilemmas didn't have that same effect for other teachers. So what would have an effect for those teachers? What would trigger them to want to pursue more learning um, about the content of statistics? So that to me is, is really the, one of the key questions and it's one of the things that I'm actually pursuing. I have a, a career grant where I'm developing professional development activities and trying to build in triggers to see if mm -hmm. I can find triggers that, that are effective 
for multiple teachers at different points in their learning trajectories. Yeah, and how do those triggers correspond to the personal factors that you mentioned? Because some of the characteristics of these teachers with the robust understandings are pretty great you know, characteristics to have. And so I wonder if there's some people that just, they could have lots of potential triggers because they have a disposition of wanting to understand and wanting to ask why and wanting to critically reflect. And then teachers with different dispositions, they might have only a couple sweet triggers and not such a wide array of triggers, you know what I mean? Absolutely. And, and so that's something that I've really been struggling with is when I think about the teachers who exhibited some faulty reasoning and had these experiences that could have led them to really learn some, some substantial statistics content, and yet those experiences didn't have that learning effect. What would it have taken for yeah. that to occur? Mm-hmm. But a- another thing that, that then came out for me was just the coursework and, and what does make sense in terms of requisite coursework for teachers. Um, mm-hmm. All of the teachers in the study took statistics courses, but some, and and one of the teachers who I would say had the faultiest reasoning actually had a minor in statistics. So those courses didn't seem to help them develop deep understandings. So what are the experiences that we really need to have for them to learn the content? They didn't seem to think that the theory-laden experiences were what would work for them. They thought having some kind of hands-on data-based exploration of statistics early on, and followed by the theory, would have helped them to actually have something to latch the theory onto, because they didn't feel mm-hmm. like they really had anything, any background um, to latch that theory onto. But yet they see it as important, and it's something that they're now trying to pursue. Um, mm-hmm. So that's another question uh, that came about for me. It's it's really what experiences do those pre-service teachers need to have so that they don't have to do all of this learning on their own outside of class. Mm-hmm. My guest is Sue Peters from the University of Louisville. And Sue, I just have one more question for you, and uh, this is actually going to get out of the stats education stuff for a bit. What do you think you'd be doing with your life if you weren't in mathematics education and statistics education? That's an interesting question. You know, I spent so much of my time indoors anymore, and I really love the outdoors and Mm -hmm. don't have enough time to get out there that I could see doing something like being a park ranger, just being out in nature and enjoying some of the parks that we have as a nation, as states, Mm -hmm. and just being able to enjoy the outdoors. Yeah. Are there some parks that are particular favorites of yours? Um, Western United States. <laughs> yeah. The mountains. Um, Zion, and... Bryce, Grand Canyon. Love that oh, area. Wow. Yeah. Sue, thanks so much for taking the time to speak to us about your work. Well, thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the MathEd Podcast. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, please use the PayPal donation button at mathedpodcast.com.